0: In my experience, every single time when you ask the probing questions and you get to that and you think about measurements, even if you understand the business problem, but you can't articulate success, something's not right. You have to have both of those. And so if you have that outside-in view, you start with measurable outcomes so you know what success looks like. I've had a really, really good experience in my career in delivering you know, things that you know excite the market, excite customers, and, and really solve problems, which... You know, anybody that to me is in software engineering, at the end of the day, that's what we love to do is solve problems for our customers. My name is Ken Gervanovic and I'm the head of engineering at Uncork. This is Code Story,
1: the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead. A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laporte, and today, how Ken Gavranovic joined Uncork to change the way that the enterprise builds software. All this and more on Code Story. Ken Gavranovic lives in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, namely Alpharetta, with his wife Heather and two teenage daughters. As a kid, he was fascinated by the movie War Games, but what excited him most was not the war aspect, but the fact that a kid could sit in front of a computer and build anything with their mind. That got Ken excited. While living in Galveston, Texas, he dove into computers as a 10-year-old, reading books and learning assembly. His first computer job was working on the PIC operating system, where he built a way for people to send faxes from their desk. The year after, his solution was a $2 million business. Post that, he moved to New York to write software and then to Florida. While in Florida, the internet started booming about the same time as AOL. He figured out everyone was going to run their business on the internet. So he moved to Atlanta to be in a place with the highest density of bandwidth and built what is known today as web.com. Ken has been a part of many transformational things throughout his career. Prior to his current venture, he ran product and engineering at New Relic, and he got excited about three things that attracted him to his new role, which was purposeful culture, a world-changing goal, and the size of an opportunity in front of him. This is Ken's creation story at Uncork.
0: Uncork as a product is, is the concept of, think about you know enterprise software development. Oftentimes, different enterprises are building very similar software. And the second you write code, you've got maintenance. And so the idea for Uncork was what if we could build the the kind of enterprise grade building blocks so that you can build a repeatable, no maintenance, no debt solution. And so that's kind of the the fundamental of Uncork. So you can go in and say, what's the business problem I'm trying to solve? And I'm gonna drag and drop enterprise grade solutions and build it. And it's been amazing what Uncork's done, you know, prior to, to my arrival, you think about, you know, in the, in the middle of COVID, you know, working with New York City to deliver, you know, millions of meals to, to customers. Or you think about rent relief, working with states so that they can innovate and deliver that relief to people that really need it. So kind of, you know, doing, just doing good in the world. And at the same time, helping some of the largest enterprises around the globe build applications, faster and more customer centric whether it be goldman blackrock marsh liberty principal tremendous tremendous progress so what i would say is to me uncork allows businesses to focus on their key differentiators and build quickly build enterprise applications that meet their customers needs so um, I, i've been involved in a lot of transformational things you know prior to joining, joining uncork i ran product and engineering in a company called New Relic, which basically makes sure that the internet works, right, it has high quality solutions. And and I heard about Uncork and there's three things that really got me excited about it. You know, as one, I'm a big believer that culture matters and purposeful culture. And so I think the leaders, you know, Gary and team had really been purposeful in the culture that they were trying to do. Secondly, something that would change the world because Uncork is not only changing the way enterprises Build, develop, maintain enterprise software, but it's also making development more accessible, right? So, not if you have the developer mindset, you could do it. And then third, you know, just a huge opportunity where I felt that the only question was who's going to drive this, you know, kind of fundamental change in the way enterprises, you know, again maintain, uh, build, and develop uh, software. So that's what brought me to Uncork, and uh, it's it's an exciting ride. I've been here almost nine months now.
1: Tell me about when you joined the company or, or the earliest story that you want to take me down. But tell me about the, the MVP, the first product, the first type of product that was built at Uncork. How long did it take to build and what sort of tools were used to bring it to life?
0: Well, I'm going to tell some of the stories because Uncork's been around for you know, three or four years now, but I'm going to talk about this kind of my, my story and, and, and the, what I'm seeing customers doing is, you know, they're going from this idea, which would normally be is, OK, want to build an enterprise application. I have to staff a team. I have to think about how we're going to think about security. I have to think about how we're going to maintain it. I have to think about how we're going to build it. I have to think about how the data is going to communicate. And Uncork really allows somebody to go straight from what's that business problem and kind of, you think about digital transformation, go through all of those steps and deliver it and so what's exciting is we see customers you know going three to six times faster from a delivery perspective going from that idea to production where customers are actually using it and 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 that's you know amazing like we see customers and 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 business people in the company saying here's what we're trying to accomplish and three six months later they're deploying something that might have taken years to deploy otherwise
1: you know in in your side of this story when you have had to you know take on the product and mature it or even start with something new tell me about how you've gone about making decisions and trade-offs about you know tech debt or um feature development or cut and how did you cope with those types of decisions
0: no that's a great question i think that's kind of my 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 whole career i've always been focused on solving problems for customers. And I think if you think about priority and you know prioritization is what's gonna make a difference to the customer. So from my perspective, when I always challenge the teams, whether it be engineering teams or product teams, is what business problem are we solving for the customer and articulate it in those terms. From an outcome, how do we objectively measure success? And if you start, anything from a prioritization perspective or a focus perspective is what business problem are we solving and what objective metrics are we going to solve if you can't articulate both of those very well usually it's not a great thing to even start doing but if you can articulate those then teams get really excited because there's nothing like a developer having been a developer myself when you understand the business problem you're solving for the customer you understand what the finish line looks like and and I've had you know great experience in prioritizing that so we think about like what's my mix between new features or tech debt which is a you know is a classic if you take it in the context of customer usually those mixes become a lot more evident you know what's the quality of service I'm delivering to the customer and that really drives that mix it's it's been amazing in prior lives getting companies I was with, I won't mention which company, but I was with a large public company that really had had a challenge delivering a lot of the key things that customers want. When we got really focused, what are our customers asking for? What are the business problems? What are the outcomes? And if it's not those things, we're not going to do it. That focus really got everybody excited. And it was amazing. Customers told us that we delivered more in nine months than we had in three years. And and I think that kind of focus, you know, is what Uncork's all about, is how do we listen to our customers? How do we respond? And how do we work carefully with them as we build new functionality in the platform?
1: How do you go about progressing your product and maturing it at at Uncork? And, And I'm curious about kind of roadmap approach and how you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build.
0: Well, I'm a big believer. It, it really starts directly with lots of customer conversations. I talk to customers very, very frequently. We make sure our product and engineering team talks to customer and understands, you know, what business problem we're solving. One of the things that I've seen, you know, at other companies is sometimes people come up with tactics. They come up with solutions. But if you really, really talk to your customer, what business problem are we solving? And usually, when you get focused on business problems, you kind of get to the root cause that might actually solve a lot of things. So, you know, often people will come like this tactic, this tactic, this tactic to solve things. But if you focus with on the business problem, you usually come up with something that solves all of those needs. And so, you know, I would, what I would say is the roadmap's really designed on having a lot of communication with the customer, a lot of vetting with customers. And then of course you still have to have your vision for where the product's going. Cause that's what customers expect. Here's where we're going. We're level setting with that. Does that make sense? What are you seeing that's different and then executing against it and being transparent on that execution. How do you decide or decipher
1: between as far as the importance between customer feedback and that North star vision? You know, because customers, frankly, aren't always right. So so, how do you decipher between those two things?
0: I always think about it like inside out or outside in. Like how do you think about building your platform? And that goes back to you, listen to the customers, but you don't you don't do exactly what they say. You focus on what are they really trying to solve. Like a customer may say, You know, just give you an example, I need X, Y, Z integration, but what they're really looking for is flexible integration for A, B and C. And so I think it's really listening to the customers, but trying to understand that business problem in my experience, every single time when you do that and you ask the probing questions and you get to that and you think about measurements, because again, even if you understand the business problem, but you can't articulate success. Something's not right. You have to have both of those. And so if you have that outside in view, you talk to your customers, you have business problems, you start with measurable outcomes. So you know what success looks like. I've had a really, really good experience in my career in delivering, you know, things that, you know, excite the market, excite customers and, and really solve problems, which, you know, anybody that to me is in software engineering, at the end of the day, that's what we love to do is solve problems for our customers.
1: Well, let's switch to team. So, tell me about how you go about building your team and what do you look for in those people to indicate they're the winning horses to join you?
0: The first thing I think in team is you want people that challenge the status quo. You don't want yes people around you. You want people who are going to have their own perspective. You know, when, when I lead teams, you know, one of the things I always tell them is like, hey, listen, I have perspectives, you have perspectives. Let's challenge ourselves, not in a a negative you know, fighting, but in a, what business problem are we trying to solve? So I always want people that are confident to say, you know what, that doesn't make sense and here's why. And let's have that conversation. I want people that are thinking about the outcomes. Like, where are we going? Like, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to uh, accomplish? You know, when you're trying to build a business that's gonna scale, you want people that are going to again challenge that status quo, think differently, think out of the box, think about outcomes and direction, versus kind of uh, you know showing up and checking in. So that's what I really look for: is people who want to make a difference, you know, want to change the world, and are confident that it's good to share their perspective.
1: Let's flip to scalability a little bit. How do you approach scalability? And it be interesting in a no-code solution. How do you approach scalability and efficiently? And were you doing this from day one or are you kind of fighting this as you grow?
0: As I mentioned before in a prior life, I was at a company called New Relic and, and I'm a big believer in observability. What is the customer experience? When you think about scale, the first thing you wanna think about is what are those SLOs? What are the SLIs? How are you measuring an amazing customer experience and if you can do that first then you could think about what are the systems that you need to deploy to be able to deliver the quality of experience that your customers expect and that you want to deliver to them you know with uncork it's interesting because we do single tenant SaaS. so a lot of solutions out there are multi-tenant SaaS. Single tenant SaaS really allows you to make sure that your customers' data, again, these are highly secure systems, is not commingled with anybody else. Our customers have their own database, they have their own instances. They're all highly available by design because you know security is critical, availability is critical. And so I think you know, with Uncork, it's been designed from day one to work in highly regulated industries where you know you you have to be secure you have to be reliable and that has to be very consistent but it all starts with observability and setting what is the level of of quality that you want to deliver to your customers
1: what sort of i don't know tooling i guess do you use with uncork to allow your entire platform to be observable i know you come from new relic perhaps that's the flavor you're using here but what sort of flavors are you using to let's say control your observability but to enable observability
0: you know observability is much beyond the tools so we actually use a different tool set here at uncork than, than prior lives but it's all about really it's the details of how you instrument it because it's it's making sure that you understand what is the the performance what are the golden rules what's the response time from a customer how consistent do you have errors? You know, what is your error budget? So it's really to me, observability is much more about how you deploy those tools, whether you build them yourself. You know, obviously there's a lot of open source tools out there like Grafana and different types of learning tools, but it's really to me, it's how you apply those and how you set up those budgets. You know, I'm a big believer in SLOs and SLIs and how do you set up the budgets, whether it be per team, per service, or even experience.
1: Makes total sense. It's the same approach you talked about with roadmap building and like, what does good look like? And you're setting, you're setting like, okay, here's our boundaries for these metrics. This is what good looks like, and this is when we know, uh, oh crap, something's wrong.
0: Yep. No, absolutely. And you know, having done this transformation, even at you know, in 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 a prior life, I was a company called Cox, which is a, you know, a a huge family-owned business. Maybe you've heard of Auto Trader. Kelly Blue Book, Mannheim, other other types of brands, but you know, again, focusing on what that customer experience is and having the outcomes that you're trying to achieve at the beginning, you know, that's absolutely the key. Well, as you step out on the balcony and you look across what you've built at Uncork, what are you most proud of? I'm always most proud of the people, helping group of people come together to deliver amazing services and and really get out of their comfort zone and do things that they didn't think they were capable of. That's You know, in every part of my career, that's the part that's most rewarding. And you know, we've got an amazing team at Uncork and, and we've got a culture that values people and values customers. And so I, I would say w- without a doubt, like seeing people grow and and seeing us listen to customers and solve problems, that's, absolutely the most exciting thing, but you know, people, whether it be our customers or, or our teammates, that that's the thing I'm most proud of.
1: Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: I, I always think, uh, I don't know if, yeah. usually I don't even think about it as mistakes. I think anytime something maybe happens that's not your desired outcome, you learn from it. Um, so I think, you know, from my perspective, I don't really look at failures. You know, there's that term out there fail fast, but I, I believe the sooner that you test your hypothesis, this, the sooner you learn. So like, you know, examples that I would be, you know, to me is, you know, some people call it mistakes. I call it learning would be is where we set out to do something, maybe in a certain timeline and we realize, Hey, there's some additional complexities we need to think about I don't look at those mistakes. I look at those as as learning opportunities and opportunities for growth. And I think when you, when especially as a leader of people, when you encourage people that it's not mistakes, these are growth, then you get people with that mindset is to, to move fast. You know, I, I remember one time sitting with uh, Andy Jassy when I brought him out to Cox before they started their cloud journey. And we were talking about um you know the details of like when you have two teams that have dependencies how do you go fast and in the, the idea is let's just make a decision and go and it's okay if we have some learning opportunities so you know that's why i would kind of summarize i think all mistakes are learning opportunities and really the the only mistake would be is not making a decision and going
1: well, what does the future look like for the product and for your team
0: but the, the, the future is exciting because it's not every day you get to build a platform that fundamentally I believe will change the way enterprises build software I you know from, from my perspective it's not that all software is going to build be built with no code but I think a large set of enterprise software will be built with no code which is exciting because it's going to allow enterprises to innovate faster for their customers more secure reliable that's exciting but i'm just as excited because it's no code it's a lot more accessible so if you have a developer mindset maybe you haven't been doing development for 10 years it's not it's certainly not like i'm not a big believer, believer in the concept of citizen developer i don't think that's true but i do believe that if you have a developer mindset wherever you came from and you understand business problems with no code, you can deliver value to your enterprises. And so I'm excited about what it does for enterprises, and I'm just as excited about making development more accessible to a broader set of people. Well,
1: let's switch to you, Ken. Who influences the way that you work? You know, a CEO, a CTO, really an architect, any person, but name a person that you look up to and why.
0: I I think I'm influenced by a lot of the books that I read. I've, I've been blessed to, to, to meet billionaires and have, you know, a lot of different conversations on, you know, what's important in life. You know, I won't mention who, but I remember one time in my twenties sitting with the billionaire and I said, Hey, what's, what's the one thing that upsets you? And he has the only thing that upsets me is when people waste my time. And you know, it's all about people making decisions and, and, and moving forward. And so what I would say for me, it's all about, you know, listening to leaders that I've met to reading books, And then really getting out of your comfort zone i've jumped out of planes walked on hot coals i'm a big believer in in reading listening listening to different perspectives you know and and i'll tell you some of the best learning i've ever had was just talking to um employees and, and teamwork you know where someone would say you know i think i have a totally different perspective you know And it could be in all different kinds of things and spending the time to listen to their different perspective and being open to to that i think you know so i would say it's 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 the it's the people that i've run into in my career it's the books that i've read and it's the people that i've been blessed to work with
1: so we talked about a mistake right or a learning opportunity um as you put it but if a little bit different spin if you could go back to the beginning what would you do differently or where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: I would say is um, just always believe in yourself, right? You know that, and believe in your team, and cast that that confidence. Because when people believe in themselves, when you believe in yourself, you just move faster. You make better decisions sooner. And and again, maybe there's some learning opportunities you look at any setback as a learning opportunity. I would say that, you know, from a career perspective, that would probably be the the number one thing if I could go back and tell my younger self is believe consistently in you and your choices.
1: Well, last question, Ken. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit in multiple different fashions?
0: That's a really good question. What I would say, and I, and I actually, um, I coach, um, a couple of people that, that have built businesses, two, three, four, five, 50, million dollar businesses. And what I say, you know, from my own experience is build a team around you, trust your team. I think that's one of the key things. If you want to scale your business, You have to build a team around you and you have to trust that team. I'm a big, big believer in bottoms up and the best ideas come from people closest to the action. So if you want to scale your business beyond 10 people, it's all about building a team and then trusting that team. You certainly want to make them accountable. You have to have measurable outcomes. You know, I'm a big believer in data driven, but I think the number one thing that I've seen hold entrepreneurs back, is when they don't build a team around them. That's fantastic advice. Well, Ken, thank you for being
1: on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Uncork.
0: No, I appreciate you uh, letting me spend a few minutes to share some thoughts.
1: And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story.